Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in one year of the end of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetoch, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestin Echo. Vientalem again omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. It's Valentine's Day 2016 on Francis Street in Dublin 8. The deep hum of motorbikes can be heard in the distance as crowds of hundreds gather around St. Nicholas of Myra Church. The city of Dublin is in a haze after a week of gangland violence. A hearse moves slowly towards the church and inside lies the body of Kinnahan Cartel Lieutenant David Byrne. His funeral comes nine days after the Regency Hotel attack where he was killed an incident that would have drastic effects for years on Dublin. The cortege is led by members of a motorbike gang, along with 12 limousines following in tail. The hearse stops, and Burns' 18,000 euro coffin is lifted into the hall. Following behind are members of the Kinahan gang of all rank. The top brass were all dressed in matching designer navy suits with a light blue shirt. Among them was Fat Freddie Thompson, who's obviously been convicted of a few murders since. Daniel Kinnan was there, uh, Liam Byrne, Thomas Bomber Kavanagh, all these really well-known faces who, well-known to Gardaí, well-known to crime journalists and even known to the public because they featured so heavily in print media. Undercover Gardaí and intelligence officers were screening the many faces on show. It was like a who's who of the Irish criminal underworld, but one man in particular caught the attention of Gardaí. Among these kind of really well-known and colourful cartel figures was really unassuming middle-aged man wearing these colours, this suit and shades. And this man was standing shoulder to shoulder with some of the most senior crime figures in the country. And Gardy hadn't a clue who he was. They were flummoxed by it, and they had to set about immediately trying to identify him. His attendance there and the prominence he showed there was really his downfall. 
I'm Tabitha Monaghan and today on the Indo Daily I'm joined by Robin Schiller, senior journalist with the Irish Independent, to shed light on one of the most prominent figures in the Kinnahan cartel who managed to fly so far under the radar he was given the name Mr Nobody. Robin, you were at the sentencing hearing this week of Declan Brady, who is Mr. Nobody, for his involvement in a murder stretching back to the Hutch Kinnahan feud. Uh, that was Noel Duckegg Kirwan. Can you remind us what happened three nights before Christmas in 2016? Yeah, so Noel Kirwan at the time was a 62 year old grandfather and had a number of children. And I suppose three days before Christmas, he was out with his family, out with his partner, Bernadette Rowe, doing normal things he do on the lead with Christmas. You know, and that week he was getting the house ready with decorations. He was going Christmas shopping. He was really looking forward to Christmas. And unfortunately for him, in the background, while he was gearing up for that festive season, there was plans in the background to, to murder him. And unfortunately, uh, just after five o'clock on December 22nd, 2016, he returned home to the house where he's living with his partner in St. Ronan's Drive in Clondalkin. And as he parked up in the driveway and was still sitting in the driver's seat, a lone gunman came up, shot him several times, and unfortunately he's pronounced dead a short time later. Armed Gardaí on the streets of Dublin today following the latest feud-related murder. Noel Kerwin was shot dead last night here in the driveway of his partner's home at St. Ronan's Drive. The lone gunman was then driven away in this white Pajero partner van, which was found burnt out at Neilstown Shopping Centre. It was one of the most shocking murders in that feud because he hadn't direct involvement in criminality. Can you tell me a little bit about him? Yeah, so Noel Kerwin, I said, is known as Duck Egg from the days of the ports and his father would work in the ports. He was from the inner city. He would have known the Hutch family growing up. He himself would have been involved in the anti-drug movement that was really prominent in the 1980s and 1990s in the city centre. In the turn of the decade, he wasn't involved in criminality. He'd obviously known people who were from his childhood days, but there's certainly no suggestion in any way that he's involved in the feuding or any other criminality that was happening around the time of his murder. And it seems that at the funeral of Eddie Hutch, the brother of the monk who was shot dead in February 2016, he was there to pay his respects. He was seen beside Jared Hutch, who was also there. And that seems to have been enough for the Kinnan crime gang to determine that he was a legitimate target for them and that he was a fair game to be executed. So he was an old friend. It was by association that he became a target, essentially. Brady had been involved in tracking Kieran in the weeks leading up to his death. Yeah, and that evidence was heard at the Special Criminal Court this week. And it's really fascinating. It gives a kind of insight to the high-tech gadgetry that the cartel were using at the height of that feud to track their targets. Um, what we heard in that sentencing hearing was that this tracker device, which was recovered from his car after the murder, it was analysed and discovered that it was brought over from the UK two months before the murder by Martin Aylmer. Um, he'd be well known. He's been convicted in relation to three murders for providing mobile phones, tracking devices and providing logistics. Aylmer imported tracking devices used in the shootings but made what was called the schoolboy error of using his own name and car to bring them from Leeds in the UK to his apartment in Dublin. Mr Justice Tony Hunt said today that Martin Aylmer's assistance to the Kinnan Organised Crime Group was important if not essential. So that device was held in his Northern City home for several days then was brought to an apartment in the Beacon Southquarter in Sandyford and that apartment was essentially the headquarters of the cartel where you know, murders would have been planned, uh, logistics would have been organised, money, drugs, all that kind of stuff would have been planned from this 
really posh apartment on the south side. And the investigations would have established that in the early hours of November 8th, 2016, so about six weeks before the murder, Declan Brady and another man who can only describe as a senior Kinnan figure for legal reasons, they left the apartment at around half one. And then 90 minutes later, that tracking device, which was pinging in the apartment, was pinging St. Roland's Drive. And it's obviously the suggestion in the prosecution case that Declan Brady and the senior Kinnan figure moved that tracking device to place on Noel Kerwin's car. It does show what kind of operation the Kinahans were running. You know, it's drugs that we often are speaking about, the Kinahan gang, but there is a massive operation behind what they're doing. They're run like multinational companies, you know, not all crime gangs in Ireland are like that, but certainly the Kinahan cartels at the apex of operations in Ireland and certainly was at that time. We'd have the likes of CEOs, Daniel Kinahan, his brother and his father, who are the leadership of that crime gang. You'd have chief financial officers, you know, uh, Ian Dixon would have been a, a cartel accountant. He's also named in the sanctions imposed by the US government. Then you'd have, I suppose, more localised subcells. You'd have a Dublin branch, which was traditionally the Byrne Organised Crime Group, who were looking after drug dealing affairs in Dublin. You would have had Thomas Bomber Kavanagh, who is a brother-in-law of Liam Byrne. He was looking after the UK operation and you'd have a cell in Spain as well. And then even below that, you'd have, uh, I suppose, even more subcells who would look after drug distribution, finances, murders, which happened at the time of the feud, and drug enforcement. So it's it really is a, a massive organisation and it had to be well run because it was generating multi-millions every year. But going back to Mr. Nobody, how did he first come to the attention of Gardaí? Because obviously he was called Mr. Nobody. So there must have been some amount of anonymity there. There was. And he was first given that name by our, our colleague Tom Brady uh, when he was first arrested. So to give a bit of a history, in February 2016, David Burns murdered at the Regency Hotel, which is obviously this really infamous murder. Ten days later, you have this, I suppose, ostentatious display of wealth and power at his funeral where thousands would have been spent on different costs associated with that, the coffin. And then you had what was essentially senior members of the Kinnan gang in uniform in these matching uh, dark blue and navy suits uh, aligning themselves and wearing the colours of the Kinnan cartel. And most of them would have been well known to Gardaí and to journalists even and to members of the public. You would have had Freddie Thompson there, who's obviously since been convicted of murder. Liam Byrne, who was the brother of David Byrne. But there were some unfamiliar faces and Declan Brady is one of them. He's this kind of unassuming middle-aged man pictured in the middle of the crowd by Garda surveillance teams. And the fact that he was there in those matching suits with these really prominent figures in organised crime made Gardy take a particular interest in him. And the name Mr. No becomes from the fact that he was unknown. He was an unknown entity before that funeral to a large extent. So what was he doing? What was his involvement with the Kinahan gang? He had this kind of overarching role of being head of logistics, referred to that by Gardy. He would have looked after their weapons arsenal, so he certainly had a very trusted role in that sense. But he was also looking after logistics, drug shipments. He was a haulier by trade, had a haulage business, and that would have given him a key opportunity to move large amounts of drugs around the country. And he's also in charge of finances from Dublin. I think one of his associates would have been dispatched to Spain 26 times in one year. And the belief is that he was organising drug money essentially to be flown from Ireland to what was then the HQ of the cartel in Spain. So he had a, this overarching role and he was very well compensated for it. I think in 2015, Declan Brady would have spent around €60,000 on a family wedding in Druid's Glen, it's a really nice five-star hotel in Wicklow. He had apartments in Portugal, he had a house in Mallorca, he had a property, a really nice five-bedroom from Celebrate in Kildare, and he also had a mortgage and a house in Furhouse. So the assets that he had, it wasn't the salary such of a mid-level cartel figure. 
he really operated at the highest level of the Killen Organised Crime Gang. But you mentioned he did have his own haulage company and he was involved in renting bouncy castles as well. But he did run into debt after the crash. I suppose around the 90s, maybe he would have had a truck license. He would have set up his haulage business and the bouncy castle business from Selbridge. And this week, his barrister, Michael Higgins, said that with the economic recession, like many other people at the time, he would have incurred significant debts. And obviously, if that's to be taken at its face value, he would have had to recuperate those debts, work it off. And from his point of view, the best way to do that was to start working for the Kinnan gang. And he was originally from Drimna in South Dublin, where other senior members of the gang were from. Thomas Bomber Kavanagh being the main one, I suppose, the most prominent. 54-year-old Thomas Kavanagh, who's originally from Dublin, but lives in Tamworth in the UK, was sentenced today for drug trafficking and money laundering. The head of the Kinnahan Organised Crime Group in the UK presided over the importation of over 36 million euro worth of cocaine and cannabis in a year, has been sentenced to 21 years in prison. Brady would have known him from a school days his younger days and that's really where Gardy believed that, that association came it grew and he had a long-standing association the fact that he was at the funeral with prominent figures it's not like he would have only been there for a wet week you know you have to earn that trust over a long period of time and certainly the belief is that he was operating at a high level for many years before Gardy really kind of had him on their radar and he did live a bit of a double life he had a wife and a mistress and they knew nothing about each other but they were involved in money laundering as well yeah, they were open into his affairs. So Deirdre Brady, his wife, they would have married in 1987 and had a number of kids. She unwittingly, her barristers have said at the Special Criminal Court a few years ago, laundered around 700,000 euro for him. And he also had a mistress, unknown to his wife, Erica Lucas, who would have laundered in around 200,000 for him. So he really was leading this double life. And that affair only came to light to his wife when the scarred investigation into him ramped up. He went to great lengths to obviously not just hide his involvement in criminality, but also his his affair he was having on the side. He, he'd leave his house early in the morning. He'd drive this really nice maroon jag to a, a petrol station near the Green August State. He'd change clothes. He'd get collected by an associate and go about his business. So he went to great lengths to cover both his criminality and the affair he was having. We spoke about what first led Gardaí to start watching him, but what eventually led him to being exposed publicly as one of the most senior figures of the Kinahan cartel? By January 2017, Gardaí had been watching Declan Brady for many months, including in December the previous year. He's being watched with a senior Kinahan figure carrying out um, reconnaissance and tracking of Noel Kerwin. The importance of that wasn't really known at the time, but fast forward to January 24, 2017, Gardy have intelligence that there's an imminent threat emanating from the Kinnan cartel. They have information that a large amount of weapons are being stored at a warehouse in Green Oak and they get a search warrant to carry out a raid of the property. Three men are still being questioned this evening following the discovery of almost €500,000 in cash and in bank accounts believed to be connected to the Kinahan crime cartel. And when they get in there, they discover 15 firearms ready for imminent use. Forensic examinations for fingerprints and DNA are ongoing. The weapons include nine revolvers, four semi-automatic pistols, a machine pistol and an assault rifle, as well as 1,300 rounds of ammunition. Some were loaded and laid out on a table, ready for collection and immediate use. And they arrest Declan Brady, Jonathan Harding and James Walsh, who's a lower level associate from Clondalkin. And 
that really put him on on the radar. It was the first time he'd been arrested in relation to serious organised crime offences. He later pleaded guilty to owning and looking after that weapons arsenal and was given ten and a half years. And from there, it really kind of snowballed. He had €250,000 of cash found in his attic, significant amount just lying there. He later pleaded guilty to money laundering offences relating to that. And then further investigations since then established that he facilitated the Kinnan gang in tracking Noel Kerwin before his murder. And while he was in prison, he did strike a deal with Cab instead of fighting his assets, which a lot of criminals who come up against Cab do. What was that? Yeah, some do and some don't. So in relation to Declan Brady, obviously the Cab came knocking when they saw the vast amount of wealth and assets he'd accumulated, the cash in his attic, the €250,000. And he just simply laid out and took it. He sold his properties in Salbridge and Furhouse. He also sold the property in Portugal. And I think his partner as well, his mistress, Eric Lucas, also settled with the Cab for 70 grand. So all the years of accumulating that money was eventually handed over to the stakeholders. And just going back to what was happening this week, the trial continued in the Special Criminal Court on Monday and there was a victim impact statement from Noel Kerwin's daughter. Yeah, so Donna Kerwin prepared a victim impact statement which was read out by the barrister on behalf of the state and very emotional and powerful. She addressed Declan Brady directly and asked him, how does it feel to know you're going to prison for killing an innocent man? She lambasted him for the fact that him and the gang didn't have the intelligence to do their homework properly and to realise that Noel Kerwin was an innocent man and a completely innocent entity and all this. Um, She said that their life has been destroyed, their past, present and future has been destroyed by his actions and that they just live in constant torment now. The fact that their dad was mercilessly shot dead uh, over seven years ago. And she also mentioned the fact that her and her young child would have been in her father's car in the week leading up to that murder and kind of questioned Declan Brady, what would they have done if they were in the car? And I suppose the answer to that's kind of obvious. The fact that his partner was in the car when he was murdered, I'd imagine they wouldn't have thought twice about shooting Noel Kerman dead in front of his daughter and grandchild. Robin, Mr. Brady's defence counsel did paint a very different picture of the senior Kinahan figure following his imprisonment. What did they say? Yeah, so Michael O'Higgins, the senior counsel, gave a mitigation on his behalf and made some interesting comments. He said that in the seven years that Declan Brady's been in custody, he's had a significant period to reflect on his actions. He said he's effectively hit a reset button on his life and that he's now being housed in the progression unit from Mountjoy Prison, which is for inmates who have behaved well, who haven't caused any major difficulties for prison staff and who more often than not are nearing the end of their sentence. And he also said that Declan Brady has disassociated himself with members of the Kinnan gang. The acknowledgement that he was associated in the first place is interesting and the fact that he's now effectively turning his back on the Kinnans. And Justice Tony Hunt, who was presiding that case, said he wanted proof of that effectively. It's all well and good saying that, but he wanted proof of this and some kind of backing that this was the case. So that sentence in hearing was adjourned to April to allow for the defence to get uh, governor's reports and other probation reports to prove that Declan Brady is what he says he is now. It is phenomenal though that almost 10 years on from the beginning of the Hutch Kinahan feud that we're still seeing cases coming up before court. Yeah, like those investigations will never stop. You know, once there's enough evidence, there's lines of inquiry to pursue. Gary will keep doing that. And this is a real example of that. And it's kind of ironic that 10, 15 years ago, uh, even more recently, you know, hit teams would have operated simply. You might have a spotter, you might have a getaway driver to a shooter or two, and maybe a few people doing logistics. And it was simple as that, and used disposable phones. But the Kinnan gang went to such lengths to track Noel Kerman using this really fancy high-tech equipment. That's ultimately led to Declan Brady being convicted. The tracking device was initially placed on Noel Kerwin's BMW. He traded that in 
for a Ford Mondeo and they had to go to great lengths to get that tracking device back and when he was under surveillance by Gardy they would have seen him near this car dealership with another senior cartel figure on a laptop basically trying to find out where the tracking device was and to get it back and the analysis of that device which led them to this headquarters in the Sandy Ford apartment has ultimately led to Declan Brady potentially serving a very long sentence and for that other senior Kinnan figure we can't name at the moment but who will face charges when he's brought back here. You said the Kinnahan cartel is a shell of what it was let's say in 2016 and then there's been a lot of reports that leading figures in the Kinnahan cartel are in Dubai now. How far away do you think we are in seeing those figures come to justice? That's very hard to say. Obviously, it's not operating at the level it was eight years ago, but they are still operating at a very high level internationally. You know, as I said, they're still suspected of orchestrating drug shipments into Europe and into Ireland. I think people have been writing for years that X signals the end of the Kinnan cartel. When we saw those sanctions imposed in April 2022, so nearly two years ago, a lot of people, myself included, believe that this was the the downfall of the Kinnan cartel. I still think it is that those sanctions and the knock-on effect of that will eventually lead them being brought to book. But I think it just takes a little bit longer than uh, initially thought. And as we said there with Declan Brady today, being sentenced for a crime he committed seven years ago, some of these things do take longer than you'd expect and you'd hope. And some of them can be slow burners, especially when you're talking about serious criminal figures. Use all sort of counter-surveillance methods to avoid detection, methods to avoid conviction and being compromised. So I think it will happen. But as with most things, it'll take longer than you'd initially hope. And my thanks to Robin Schiller. I'm Tabitha Monaghan and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced by Ian Doyle, researched by Kian O'Brien, with sound by Rory Bones. Archive clips from RTE, Virgin Media and The Irish Independent. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to follow the podcast and leave us a review. We're offering Indo Daily listeners 50% off an Irish independent digital subscription. Head over to independent.ie forward slash redeem to sign up for unlimited access to premium content, e-paper, puzzles and more. Just enter the code INDO, that's I-N-D-O, to receive 50% off your subscription. Stay informed and engage. Subscribe today.